Okay, so we'll continue with uh, the first Timothy, and today we'll take a look at chapter four. And Paul has been uh, emphasizing the sound doctrine uh, in the previous three chapters that we did. So he sees that sound doctrine would lead to uh, pure love. It will also lead to good conscience, and it would also help us to increase in our faith. And here we see that Paul is uh, sending Timothy to the, the church uh, because they are departing from the faith. And he wants to uh, reintroduce them to the gospel, so to speak, and the sound teachings that he had taught them uh, before. So in chapter 2, we saw that we need to pray for those who are in authority. And we also saw that uh, how, the, uh, how the women should behave in a mixed uh, setting. And in chapter 3, we saw uh, the qualifications for the elders and for deacons. And we also saw... Uh, in in chapter 5, we also saw that uh, Lord Jesus Christ, he is the only mediator between God and man. So there are many principles that we can learn, uh, even though it was written as a pastoral epistle. But many of the qualities that we saw last week uh, for elders and deacons, they can also be applied to all believers. Uh, that could be a standard that all of us are striving for. So in chapter 4, uh, in verses 1 to 5, we read about uh, departing from faith. And verses 6 to 11, we read about a minister of God. And verses 12 to 16, we'll talk about some instructions that Paul gives uh, Timothy uh, in terms of personal conduct or how he should uh, behave. Here, Paul is giving us uh, some uh, important warnings about uh, how people will depart from faith. Uh, in the later times and how it will happen and what are some evidences of the departure uh, from faith. So he says, uh, he starts with saying, now the Spirit uh, speaketh. So it is a witness of the Holy Spirit that in the later times, uh, uh, how the believers would behave and that some of them would depart uh, from the faith. And departure means that they were originally believers so at some point, uh, they had come to the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, but now they have departed uh, from the true faith, uh, which could mean they are backslidden, or they might have completely abandoned their faith, or they might have become cold, uh, as we read in the book of Revelation. And as we know that Paul is uh, addressing to Timothy to take the message back uh, to the elders, so sadly, some of those who have departed from faith uh, also includes the elders or the leaders of those churches. And they have departed from faith. And when you're departing from something, uh, then you're turning to something else. So in this case, uh, they are departing from faith and they are turning to false teachings. And we see that uh, even today that many people are attracted by the wrong things, uh, even though they might be born again, uh, even though they might be saved. Uh, as they progress in their faith, uh, instead of going higher in their faith, uh, they, might, they may be distracted and they may depart from their original faith. And that happens due to a seducing spirit or the spirit of devil or the spirit of false teachings uh, that we see in the world. And we can consider that as demonic teachings uh, that is taught by false teachers. And here Paul talks about the doctrine uh, of devils. So we see the sound uh, doctrine that Paul is trying to teach uh, Timothy. Uh, but at the same time, there is the opposing force 
uh, which is the doctrine of devils that could include the cults that we see today. Uh, it could be uh, false religions uh, that are practiced uh, around the world. So as believers, uh, we should know the difference uh, between the two. What is the sound doctrine and what is the doctrine of devil? And if we don't continue to uh, remain in our faith, then it would be easy to uh, be distracted. It would be easy to go astray uh, into the wrong uh, doctrine. And the devil's doctrine, uh, it is delivered by false teachers uh, whose conscience has been seared, as Paul will mention later on. So there are many warnings uh, that are given in the scriptures, uh, even by Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, as, he say, as we read in Matthew 24, 10, uh, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And also in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, 3 and 4, uh, Paul again writes, for the time will come when people will not put up uh, with sound doctrine. Uh, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers uh, to say what their itching ears uh, want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And that is what we see uh, even today. Uh, many people, uh, they don't want to follow the sound doctrine, but rather they want to follow people uh, who are teaching them things uh, that are consistent uh, with their lifestyle, which gives them the freedom to sin or which gives them the freedom uh, to go away from the true doctrine. And Luke 18, 8, uh, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, uh, shall he find faith on the earth. So the what the Holy Spirit is saying uh, is we can see that it's actually coming true. So that is the witness of the Holy Spirit, uh, which tells us uh, what is the future of believers. And we see that today. And we'll continue to see people departing uh, from their faith. And in verse 2, uh, uh, 3, he talks about some of the evidence uh, of the departure of faith. Uh, he speaks about them as those who are speaking lies uh, in hypocrisy. So that could mean uh, misinterpreting the word of God. It could mean compromising. It could be half-truths. Or it could be taking the truth, but applying it in the wrong context or distorting the word of God. So many of the false teachings that we see, uh, they could come from the Bible, but they could be uh, taught in a certain way, uh, which uh, makes it distorted. And such teachings uh, come from people whose conscience has been seared or their heart has been hardened, that they're not sensitive uh, to the truth. They're not able to respond to the truth uh, because their conscience is hardened or it is completely uh, seared, which means it's totally uh, insensitive. And that is that is a danger that could happen in the life of any believer uh, if we continue a lifestyle of sin uh, without confessing our sins uh, regularly, then then that lifestyle of sin will harden our conscience. And we can also say that our conscience uh, will be seared, uh, which makes it very easy for us uh, to depart from the original uh, faith. So we also see in the society that uh, extreme crimes that we cannot even imagine or we cannot even think about, uh, they are committed by people whose conscience has been seared, uh, has been hardened, so they don't really uh, feel the pain 
of the suffering that they caused, or they don't feel any guilt uh, for the sins that they are committing. So that happens uh, inside the church uh, in the form of false teachings, as Paul is pointing out. But we see that it also happens outside the church uh, in, the, in terms of the many crimes uh, that we see in the world. And as we read the scriptures, uh, we see the word conscience uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it appears uh, several times. Uh, so we read about the good conscience and pure conscience and seared conscience. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 12, Paul talks about the weak uh, conscience and Hebrews uh, mentions the evil or the guilty conscience. And in Titus, uh, Paul again writing, says, uh, talks about defiled conscience. And in Acts uh, 24, Paul speaks about a conscience uh, that is void of offense uh, towards God and man. And we, Romans 9, 1 speaks about witnessing conscience. And 2 Corinthians 1.12 also speaks about a conscience uh, that speaks to us. So the conscience can uh, be a witness uh, in a good way or in a bad way. It could remind us of the evil that we are committing. And that could be the good thing. Or it could speak of the good things that we are doing. So the warning here is that uh, even believers uh, can depart uh, from faith or they can depart from the narrow way that the Lord has uh, set for us. So to avoid uh, departing from faith, uh, we need to continue our journey of faith. Uh, we cannot take a break or we cannot be passive uh, in our faith. Uh, our faith uh, should be an active faith uh, that is continuously growing. So in order to grow in our faith, uh, at a minimum, uh, we should continue steadfastly in Acts 2.42. Uh, which is the four anchors that we talk about, the word, communion, prayer, and fellowship. So if these four things are missing in our life, or if you're not steadfast in these four areas, then there is a danger that we will also depart uh, from our faith. And Paul writing in Philippians 2.12 reminds us that we need to work out our salvation uh, with fear and trembling. So he's not talking about earning our salvation, but once we have earned our salvation, uh, we need to continue to be uh, working out our salvation uh, till, we, uh, till we meet the Lord. And we need to be like the Bereans uh, so that we can avoid uh, falling into the trap uh, laid by false teachers. And we know that Bereans uh, in Acts 17, 11, uh, they would go back and check uh, what they were hearing even though they were being taught by Paul, who was a great apostle. But despite that, they would go back uh, and check whether what was being taught was consistent uh, with the scriptures. So if you do all of these, uh, I believe uh, we would continue steadfastly in our faith, and there is less danger of being pulled away by the world or being pulled away by false uh, teachings. And some of the examples of false teachings uh, that existed in the uh, in the church there in Ephesus, uh, he speaks about forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. And forbidding to marry, uh, obviously that is a false teachings because that would be uh, a contradiction to what we read uh, in the scriptures. So here when it says uh, forbidding to marry, uh, it could refer to a second marriage for the widows or it could be forbidding to marry for the singles themselves. 
but no matter what it is, uh, it contradicts the scriptures because marriage is uh, instituted by God uh, in Genesis 1.28. And Hebrews uh, reminds us that marriage is an honorable thing. And the second uh, false teaching or false practice uh, that is uh, that was uh, existent was abstaining from meat. So they might be preaching that uh, it is better to be a vegetarian, uh, it is better to be single, or maybe that makes you a better Christian or a superior Christian. But again, that is something that contradicts uh, what we read in the Bible. Uh, in Genesis 9.3, it says, every moving thing that liveth uh, shall be meat for you, uh, even as the green herb uh, I've, have I given you all things. And in 1 Corinthians 10.25, whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, uh, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So it's possible that some people may choose, uh, some believers uh, may choose to abstain from meat, or they may choose to remain single, and they may choose to be like an evangelist or whatever. But they should not judge, or they should not look down on others uh, who choose to marry and who choose to eat meat. So food and marriage, uh, as we read in verse uh, 4 and 5, uh, it is sanctified by the word. So the truth of the uh, scriptures is what we stand on. So whatever is uh, written in the word uh, is for our edification. It is for our guidance. So if the word permits uh, food and marriage, then we shouldn't have any trouble. And food is also sanctified by prayer. Uh, as we read in Matthew 14, 19, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes, and looking up to heaven, uh, he blessed and break and gave it to the disciples, and the disciples uh, to the multitude. Okay, so here uh, Paul is giving us some instructions on what makes uh, a good minister or a servant of God. And he's writing to Timothy, obviously, and he's telling him that to be a good minister, uh, you would confront uh, the false teachings, and you'll bring to remembrance a sound uh, doctrine. So if you want to be a servant of God, then you should be able to confront uh, any false practices which are inconsistent uh, with the scriptures. And at the same time, uh, you also need to feed uh, people uh, with the sound doctrine, uh, which is what Timothy is tasked to do. But before you can feed, uh, you yourself must be nourished uh, in sound doctrine. Because unless you're feeding on the word of God, uh, you cannot uh, feed others. So Paul is saying, be nourished in faith and sound doctrine and not to waste time on fiction and fables. Or he talks about uh, tales and so on. And to focus on spiritual exercise more than the bodily exercise. So... He goes on to say in verse 8, for bodily exercise uh, profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. So Paul is saying that we need to prioritize uh, spiritual exercise over bodily exercise. So we see many uh, fitness clubs uh, around the city and around the country, and people are very religious uh, about going to fitness club. But Paul is saying that uh, we need to bring the same discipline uh, also to spiritual things, 
uh, it is good to take care of our body, but we also need to take care of spiritual things and they should take a higher priority. So physical exercise, uh, no matter how fit uh, you are, uh, a time will come uh, when you will give up your breath and you would die. But spiritual exercise has is a much better investment because it is not only good uh, for this life, but it will last for all of eternity. So as a spiritual exercise, uh, at a minimum, uh, we need to be reading our Bible uh, systematically and daily. And we also need to be spending time in prayer. And when we do that, we are exercising our spiritual life and we are growing uh, into growing in godliness or godlike character. So obviously, Paul is not saying that we should not exercise. Uh, he's not saying that we should neglect our health. Uh, it is just a matter of priority. What takes priority in our life? Uh, is it the spiritual things or is it the physical things? And godliness uh, is a priority for Paul. And as we read uh, 1 Timothy, we see that Paul uses that term uh, eight times. And his desire is that uh, believers uh, should grow in godliness or they should grow in godlike character or they should be able to restore the image uh, that, is, that has been lost uh, due to sin or that is being lost uh, due to worldly practices or corruption that has entered uh, in our life or false teachings that are taking us away from a life of godliness. So that is the question here. What is our focus? Uh, are we focusing on spiritual health or physical health? And are we monitoring our spiritual health? Uh, just like we monitor our physical health, we go for physical checkup once a year. So do we do the same thing with our spiritual health to see whether we are growing in the Lord uh, every month, every year, and, and what we are doing to fix things uh, that are wrong with our spiritual health. Okay, so we need to diagnose the, stat, the state of our spiritual health and if some things are missing or if you're not healthy, then we need to take steps so that we can be spiritually healthy. And in verse nine, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. So faithful saying is something that is uh, trustworthy, uh, something that is valuable, uh, something uh, that is guaranteed uh, to be good. And this is the third uh, faithful saying that Paul is saying in 1 Timothy. And here, uh, verse 9 connects to verse 8. So when he says, uh, this is a faithful saying, uh, he is referring to godliness, uh, is profitable and has eternal value. And that is a trustworthy statement. And we can say with confidence uh, that godliness uh, is profitable and it has uh, eternal value. So we don't need to doubt uh, this statement. And when we are telling others, uh, we can say with experience that when we pursue a life of godliness, uh, it will be profitable for us uh, in this life and it will also have everlasting value. So there are five faithful sayings of Paul that we find four in the book of Timothy. And there is one uh, in Titus uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. So 1 Timothy 1.15, uh, it says, the faithful saying is that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And 1 Timothy 3.1, uh, 
it says this is a true thing in King James, but it says uh, trustworthy in NIV and ESV that if a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work. And this is what we just read, 1 Timothy 4, godliness is profitable. And 2 Timothy 2.11, he's again going to repeat the same thing. It is a word, faithful saying that if we be dead uh, with him, uh, we shall also live with him. And Titus uh, 3.8, we find the last one, which is this is a faithful saying. And these things I will, that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful uh, to maintain good works. These, these things are good and profitable unto men. So that's consistent with what we just read uh, in chapter 4, that when we maintain a life of godliness, uh, it is something that is good, and it is also something that is profitable. And that is something that we should follow, and we should also teach others. And in verse 10, he writes, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, so therefore reminds us that uh, he's speaking about the motivation for ministers of Christ. And what is it that motivates uh, servants of God? Uh, what is it that motivates ministers of God uh, to labor for the Lord and to suffer for him? So, so there should be something that, that is motivating us uh, in the work of the Lord. There should be something that motivates us to suffer uh, for the sake of the Lord. And here he says, uh, the purpose uh, is to promote uh, salvation and godliness. So that was the mission that even Paul had. Uh, his mission was to preach the gospel and to bring people to the Lord. And at the same time, those who are saved, uh, he was able to teach them the sound doctrine so that they can continue uh, a life of godliness. So we need to ask ourselves, uh, what is our motivation for serving God and suffering for his sake? Uh, do we have the same motive that we are doing it uh, for the Lord, to bring people to the Lord and to teach those who are already saved? Or, or are we serving God just because it brings us uh, personal satisfaction or it brings us personal glory? So Paul is reminding us that our motives uh, should be clean. Uh, when we are serving the Lord. And in the same verse, he says, our trust uh, is in the living God. So we talked about that last week, that we are a part uh, of the church of the living God. And our trust and our confidence is also in the living God. And in the same verse, uh, he reminds us that uh, the living God, who is the savior of all men, uh, especially of those uh, that believe. So as we read the scriptures, uh, we are reminded that Jesus uh, is the only source uh, of salvation, and he is the source of salvation for everyone, uh, but obviously not uh, everyone believes, so that is why not everyone is saved. But the provision is there for everyone to be saved by believing on Lord Jesus Christ. So in Matthew 1.21, uh, we know it says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people uh, from their sins. So that is the purpose uh, for which Lord Jesus Christ uh, came into this world, uh, to save people from their sins. And in 1 John 2, 2, uh, it reminds us that uh, he is the propitiation for our sins. 
and not just for us, but for the sins of the whole world. And Hebrews 2.9 again reminds us that he, by the grace of God, uh, shall taste death for every man. So we see that the Jesus as the source of salvation uh, is available to everyone. So that is why we need to be uh, faithful uh, in preaching the gospel. We need to be faithful in telling people uh, that they need to confess their sins and they need to believe on Lord Jesus Christ because the door is open for everyone uh, to be saved and to enter into everlasting life. And Levin uh, is, reinforces that uh, Paul is giving this commission to Timothy that he should command and teach uh, all that Paul is uh, writing in this episode from chapter 2. Or it could simply be uh, contextual uh, in terms of verses 6 to 10 uh, that we just read. Yeah, so this is a good passage. Then uh, obviously it doesn't apply just to Timothy or just to the elders and leaders. Uh, it is a passage that can apply to all believers uh, in terms of what Paul is telling Timothy. So there is a good application for all of us uh, in terms of how we should be an example to others and how that uh, life will appear to everyone. So Timothy uh, is young, as we know, he's about 30 years old, and he's being sent uh, to meet or to talk to the elders who are much older. So here when Paul is writing, he's saying that no one should uh, dismiss him uh, because of his age. <laughs> so oftentimes uh, we may dismiss people because they are too young. Uh, we may think that they have nothing to share or they have nothing good uh, good to tell, uh, but uh, but even though Timothy is young, uh, he will be able to command the respect uh, of the elders uh, if he's able to live a life that is blameless and he is bold uh, in proclaiming a sound doctrine or sound teaching. So even today, uh, respect and trust, uh, uh, we cannot earn the respect of others. Uh, we cannot earn the trust of others. Uh, if we do not have strong convictions, and if we do not have a godly character. So when Paul is sending Timothy to a much uh, older group, uh, he wants to make sure that Timothy uh, has a good uh, testimony and he has a good character so that people will listen uh, to what he has to say and the teachings that he has to deliver. And he talks about uh, five things. Uh, he talks about uh, mostly on the conduct and character. So word, or it says conversation or speech. So we need to be careful about the words uh, that we use, uh, the speech uh, that we use uh, it, while we are interacting with others. So the, our words are good when they are positive, when they are encouraging, and when we are speaking the truth. But when we are negative and when we are discouraging others, or when we are speaking lies, then obviously that is not a good testimony. Uh, for a believer. And he talks about conduct or he talks about love. So love should be uh, central uh, to our character. And that is what Timothy remind, uh, Paul reminded us in the uh, first chapter, that when we are following a sound doctrine, uh, it would also lead to purity in our love. And our love would be uh, selfless. Uh, it will not be hypocritical. And all the actions that we do uh, would be motivated by love. So we see a lot of actions, uh, even within the churches. Uh, we may see a lot of good works, 
But oftentimes those good works, uh, they may not be motivated by love. Uh, people may have different reasons uh, for doing certain things. But here Paul is reminding uh, Timothy and also all of us that our love should have no uh, hypocrisy and there should be no selfishness. There, sh there should be no personal motive uh, in doing what we are doing. And the spirit uh, could refer to the attitude that we bring to different things, or it could be the enthusiasm, it could be the eagerness with which we do certain things. So obviously we could do many things uh, with the wrong attitude, or we could do things uh, without any enthusiasm. And the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So it could mean not only in the context of uh, finances, but also in the context of anything that we do uh, in the house of God should be done with uh, enthusiasm. Uh, it should be done with the right attitude. And faith uh, does not mean faith. It means uh, faithfulness, since Paul is talking about uh, character. So faithfulness, as we said before, is a very important quality uh, in the life of a believer. And Paul himself said in chapter 1, uh, that the gospel was given to him uh, because he was found uh, to be faithful. So we see that God gives uh, ministry to people uh, who are faithful. And Paul was using himself as an example. And he was telling Timothy that he also needs to have that uh, quality or character uh, of faithfulness. And lastly, uh, purity. There should be purity in our thoughts. Uh, there should be purity in our actions. Uh, as a believer. So even though these are just five qualities that Paul is talking about, but these are five important things uh, that should be present in every believer. The way we speak, the way we conduct ourselves, the spirit of love, and the our attitude to different things, our faithfulness to the ministry, and the purity of our life. And in verse 13, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, and neglect not the gift that is in thee. So in NIV, it says, uh, uh, Timothy should be consistent in the public uh, reading of the word. So uh, for Timothy or for any elder or any believer, uh, obviously they need to be consistent uh, in reading God's word. And if you've been given the uh, uh, responsibility of uh, preaching or teaching, uh, that should also happen consistently. And obviously, we should not only read, but also practice uh, what we are reading and what we are preaching. And we often use this word, uh, verse 14, which is neglect not the gift that is in thee. So uh, we should not neglect uh, the spiritual gift uh, that is given to us. And every believer has been given a spiritual gift. And it is important that we use that gift uh, for strengthening the work uh, of the Lord. So in case of Timothy, Paul is reminding him uh, in 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he okay. speaks, about, uh, speaks about fanning into flame or stirring up the gift or putting it into action. Uh, the gift uh, that is given to Timothy. So we need to keep in mind that laying on of hands uh, does not uh, transfer the gift. A uh, gift is always given uh, by the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, it is not something that is given by the church uh, elders or the church deacons or the pastor or anyone else. Uh, it is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is given to every believer. So even though we are not told uh, specifically uh, what gift is given to Timothy, uh, based on what we read, uh, we can say that uh, Timothy probably had uh, the gift of teaching, the gift of pastoring, and also the gift of uh, evangelism, which Timothy was able to use uh, in his life. And Paul wanted to make sure uh, that he doesn't uh, let the gift uh, go waste or remain dormant, but it is something that should be lighted, that is something that should be on fire, that is that should be something that should be activated and work for the Lord's work. So verse 15, meditate uh, upon these things, uh, think about these things, what he's telling him, and to give thyself wholly to them. And that is something that we see in the scriptures uh, as a commandment that when we are serving the Lord, uh, there should be full commitment, uh, there should be a full surrender, and that is when we would see the fruit uh, of our ministry. So we cannot be half-hearted uh, in our approach uh, to ministry. Uh, we cannot be passive uh, in our approach uh, to using the gift. Uh, we need to be fully committed uh, to the work uh, that the Lord has given us. And we need to be persevering, uh, just like Paul was. And we need to be faithful until the end. And when we are fully committed, and when we are living a faithful life uh, for the Lord, uh, such a life would be fruitful, and it will also be evident uh, to all, so that thy profiting may appear to all. And finally, it closes in uh, verse 16, uh, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this uh, thou shalt both uh, save thyself and them that hear thee. So from this verse, uh, we can interpret that our life uh, must be uh, consistent uh, with the doctrine, or there must be an alignment between what we are preaching and how we are practicing the word of God. So Timothy might be preaching uh, great things, but if he's not practicing what he's preaching, then obviously uh, there is a disconnect and it's not gonna be very uh, fruitful so God is always uh, watching the alignment of our life, life. So we might be hearing the word of God, we might be reading the word of God, but what is more important is how we are practicing uh, what we are hearing and what we are telling others. So the gap uh, between the word and the practice of word will increase uh, if we are not diligent and if you're not cautious. And eventually if the gap keeps increasing, uh, it would lead to a shipwreck of faith that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 1.19. And we also would be victims uh, of the devil's doctrine, or we ourselves might become uh, false teachers uh, because there is so much of a gap between what we are saying and what we are practicing. So when we persevere in our faith, uh, we will be able to save others. Uh, from the doctrine of devils. So obviously a believer who is sinking, uh, they cannot save others because they themselves need help uh, to be lifted up. And in the same way, a believer who is empty, uh, they cannot feed others. So that is why Paul is uh, emphasizing 
to Timothy in the last section of chapter four, that uh, he should uh, he should also have a good uh, character and conduct himself well, and he should persevere uh, till the end, so that his profiting will appear to all, and that his life would be a blessing to everyone. So those are the three things that we are reminded in chapter four. Uh, we are given the warning that people will depart from faith uh, because of false teachings uh, that will come into play. So when people are not uh, faithfully uh, growing in their faith or continuing uh, in their journey of faith, uh, they will be pulled away uh, by the devil's uh, doctrine. And we talked about the minister of God and why we need to be uh, exercising our spiritual Spiritual exercise is more important uh, than physical exercise. And we closed from 12 to 16, uh, where Paul is given five areas where he must be an example. 